Like wow. I was fighting that hard to say, no, this is the way it's supposed to be. And the world is crazy and I'm the sane one and I'm going to do this. You are listening to Changed My Mind with Luke T. Harrington. This is my show where I talk to people who have changed their minds about big, important things. Um, I'm Luke T. Harrington. I'm an award-winning novelist, a best-selling humorist, and I once won like third place, I think, in a spelling bee. Uh, so clearly I'm pretty credentialed. Um, actually, that spelling bee, though, is kind of directly connected to what we talked about on this show because that was fourth grade. Um, might have been one of the only spelling bees I've been in. I've, I've never been a competitive spelling bee person. Um, but at the time when I was in fourth grade, my personal identity was very much tied up in what a good speller I was or what a good speller I thought I was. Um, so you can tell that I'm clearly a very cool uh, person that you want to spend time with. Um, but anyway, uh, the point is that it really was kind of a deep wound at the time when I when I lost that spelling bee um, because I had far too much of who I was tied up in the belief that I was a good speller. But being a good speller is not at all a guarantee that you are the best speller in the world or even in the room or that you will win every spelling competition you enter. Um, and all that is kind of a long... Um, pointless segue into the conversation I had with uh, Father Stephen Rizal. Now, clearly, I am no longer a dork obsessed with spelling. I am a slightly less dorky person who has his own podcast. Um, so I talked to Father Stephen about something near and dear to my heart, which is punctuation. <laughs> Not as cool as spelling, but almost as cool. Um, yeah, I, this is, you know, one of the more fun episodes, let's say. Um, what we talked about was how many spaces go after a period. Um, because some people believe one space goes after a period, uh, and some people believe two. And me, when I was in, like, fifth grade, I believed that zero spaces go after a period, which uh, probably goes to show that my punctuation skills were not up to the level of my spelling skills, or... Um, Maybe they were, since I didn't win that spelling bee. I don't know. Um, but it was a really interesting conversation uh, because we talked about, you know, how people can latch onto ideas and spend way too much time and energy defending those ideas and then get their own identity tied up in it. Um, so, yeah, uh, Father Stephen is a cool guy, fun to talk to. Uh, I think it was a really fun conversation. I think you'll enjoy it. I'm going to go ahead and flip you over to it, and I will see you on the other side. Father Stephen, welcome to the show, man. Thank you for having me on. Father Stephen, for anyone who doesn't know, is mildly Twitter famous, I would say, as the Kitar Priest? Is that what people call you? Mildly <laughs> like famous that? is the nicest thing that anyone has ever said about me, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, I uh, am on Twitter, kind of active in the Catholic Twitter community, whatever that means. I don't know if that matters, but I'm there. If you want to <laughs> see, if you want a window into 
my thoughts on anything from video games to the blessed sacrament. I'm, I'm talking about it all. What you got video games, you got the sacrament. What more do you need in your life? I mean, that's the way Amen. <laughs> I Amen. see it. I, I want to ask, I, I, I'm curious about the guitar thing. Um, is, is that like connected to the, the priest thing? Like, do you play in a church worship band or something? Or is that just, <laughs> I, I wish it was that interesting. I really do. I, uh, have I mean I've played keyboard instruments since I was four years old. Um, played piano. I've tried to learn the organ. I they conscripted me to do it in seminary for a bit because <laughs> there just weren't enough organists. And you know I have sort of a quirky nostalgic '80s side to me that always kind of saw the guitar as this like that's the one that I want. That's what I want to play. <laughs> so eventually I got one while I was in seminary. We had a little cover band and we'd play like house parties and stuff just for the community life. It was a lot of fun. But that's like the, like I've only played for a group of 40 people tops at a given time. Like it's not something that I'm really, really good at. I do enjoy electronic music and I do have um, just sort of as a hobby work on um, a modular analog synth, which is, it's interesting to me, but I don't like make anything musical with it. I don't actually, I don't know that I would be all that good at entertaining people and playing things that they like to hear. <laughs> so like Kitar Catholic, it's a gimmick. It sounds neat, um, rolls off the tongue and um, gets people's attention, I guess. And I'm not above that. So that's me. Marketing, man. I can relate to that because until a few years ago, I was actually the proud owner of a theremin. Um, now that's cool, <laughs> cool and useless. And it's, it's true. Um, yeah, I, I, I got it when I was in high school, kind of taught myself to play it, uh, briefly played in a couple of like electronic metal bands that never went anywhere. Um, <laughs> and Excellent. then for like the last decade or so, it just sat in a box under my bed and I kept thinking, man, I really should either give that to someone who will actually use it or like find something to do with it. I don't know. Um, yeah, there was a time <laughs> when I wanted to be some sort of musician, um, but I, you know, it, I only ever learned keyboards. Uh, you know, theremin accepted. Obviously, I never, there's, never learned. Like, there's no shame in that. Come on. Well, you know, it was like when I was in, you know, when I, when I was in uh, middle school, high school, it was like the late '90s when, like, if you didn't play guitar, you didn't play a real instrument. Hey, you know, like you know, unless your name was friggin' Ben Folds, nobody cared that you played keyboards. Even then, not that many people cared about Ben Folds. I mean, I love Ben well, Folds, yeah. but yeah, for real. <laughs> no, I, I know what you're saying. Well, and and I mean, in the '90s, there was like nothing less less cool than the guitar, right? Like that. No, was that's like, absolutely. That was like the correct. pinnacle of '80s cheese. And then, like about 10 years ago like late 2000s guitars were suddenly back and i definitely i definitely had a moment where i was like man i need to get a key get a guitar and like work out like some sort of busking routine or something but i obviously never did that um which is probably for the best <laughs> i feel like the so there's always been a like a barrier to entry with a keytar. Cause I mean, back in the eighties, it was, all right, you buy the keytar, but it's just a MIDI controller. So you got to have all this other stuff to, in order to make sound with it. Right. right. And you got to have yeah. the know-how and, and everything. It wasn't until the Roland came out with the AX synth, which is the one that I have that mm -hmm. it had onboard sounds. And like you, all you had to do was plug in a quarter inch cable into it, into an app and you were making sound. Mm -hmm. um, but even then, like it was still pretty expensive. Like there's, it's never been like a casual thing that, Oh, I'll yeah, just pick cheap. up the guitar, you know? Yeah. No, it's <laughs> like, that was a, 
I had to save up some money. I was a poor seminarian in those days. I mean, not that I'm a rich priest or anything, but but like it was it was difficult to accomplish. But you know, uh, that's how much I value stupid '80s stuff, I guess. <laughs> I mean, don't we all? Don't we all value stupid '80s stuff? We should. Um, I got to ask you, you being a priest and all, um, I need to ask you the question that I'm sure is on all my listeners' minds, which is, have you picked up my new book? <laughs> I have. Um, it's on my shelf. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a busy transition year for me. Uh, in addition to the pandemic, I have changed parishes. And so I'm still kind of cleaning up the mess of all of that. But it is on the list. Um, it is within 10 feet of me right now on the bookshelf. So I have and I look forward to it. <laughs> Man, I was really hoping for I read it. I couldn't put it down. I read it in a whole night. And then I immediately FedExed a copy to the Pope. But um, apparently not. <laughs> I, th- I thought, hey, I bought it was actually pretty good. Sorry. That, that actually is. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll I have take a physical it. copy of it in the room with me right now. <laughs> All right. Should we get into it? Let's get into it. Um, <laughs> this, I assume, is, is going to be a, a lighter episode. Um, <laughs> now that we've now that we've talked about your experiences in seminary and everything um <laughs> yeah that that is the complete picture the whole story of me and seminary yeah exactly i mean goofing that's off. what it's about right <laughs> you go to seminary you get your guitar and that's the whole experience that's- um <laughs> let's um let's talk about what we're actually here to talk about though which is um the number of spaces after a period. <laughs> this is such an absurd conversation. Uh, really, well, it, it, I get, but I, I, I ask for it. I bring it on myself. I suppose. You know, this this is going to be the second episode I've done about punctuation. Which, <laughs> yeah, as you know, as someone with a, a BA in English um, and who's who kind of cares a lot about minutia like that because I make probably the bulk of my money doing like freelance editing. You know, this is, this is actually really interesting stuff for me. Um, previously we, we, I did an episode with, uh, uh Daryl Armstrong on, um, the Oxford comma. And I thought it was one of the best episodes I've ever done. <laughs> it it's very also- good. I listened to it and I feel like he has a lot more to say about it than I have to say about my side of things, but <laughs> well, <no, laughs> we'll Daryl, Daryl's a really thoughtful guy. Um, so shout out to Daryl. If he's listening, he's a cool guy. Um, lucky to know him. Yeah. I, I, I thought that was one of my better episodes. It's also like my least downloaded ever. <laughs> <laughs> or I mean, it was at one time. I don't know if it still is, but um, you know what? Even if this episode never gets downloaded, I think I'm going to like it. So, <laughs> you know, I'm happy to to provide some divergent, you know, some, something for you, um, and maybe you know, three listeners. That that'll be my goal. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you, you, I know you've you've been a listener of the show, and I saw you you were on Twitter, like, man, I wish there was something specific I'd change my mind about so I could come on the show. And then you're like, you know what? I changed my mind about the spaces after a period. And, you know, I was honestly, I was super down with that because I feel like I've been doing like serious episode after serious episode lately, like so much religion and politics. I just, I needed to mix it up a little bit, you know, and we've been interacting on Twitter some and you seem like a cool guy. So I'm glad to have the opportunity to talk to you. You're too kind. I mean, it's really if it were more serious, it probably wouldn't be me. Anybody who's interacted with me online or in real life, uh, you know, I certainly, I I lead a life that, you know, I'm a priest. Like there's certainly a great deal of serious things that happen in my life and that I talk about from, you know, 
throughout the day. And um, but when it comes to just my personality, it's just goofball stuff. So this is this is me. I hope. All right. So um, you were, if I remember what you said correctly, you were previously of the opinion that there should be two spaces after a period, but you've come around to um, the new orthodoxy, which is that there's there should be only one. Is that is that right? That is correct. And even in you saying it, there's part of me that dies inside <laughs> that I will only put... I don't think about it anymore. It's not something that, that is, in, is part of my process as I'm typing something. But the idea that I have given up on this, I mean, it was a, a bit of a a bit of a death to a past life. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, it was significant, even though it's so unimportant. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting that people do latch on to stuff like that. Um, like, like I said, the last punctuation episode I did was Ox- the Oxford comma. And there are people who will come to blows over the Oxford comma or close to it. Oh, I'm, I'm um, one of them. I mean, I, <laughs> I've, I've, like I said, I've listened to that episode. That was one of the things that made me really into the, uh, into the podcast. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I, the, the whole start of it goes um, back to um, learning typing in high school. Um, sure. But the thing that, confused me for a long time and made me like really strongly like dug my feet into the ground about this is that mm-hmm. people will tell you that, oh, you think there's supposed to be two spaces after a period. You must have learned how to type on a typewriter. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I didn't. I was sitting at a computer. Um, it was a DOS program. I'm, you know, I'm not crazy. I was taught. <laughs> and the program told me that there's supposed to be two spaces. And I got deducted points if I didn't do this. All right. Like this oh, is wow. the way it was supposed to be done. And so I did it that way. And every single term paper, every single assignment, every single uh, blog post that followed in the rest of my life was very, very like avid, like I was after it to make certain that there were going to be two spaces. And anytime I would see it in somebody else's copy, like it would bother me if some, mm-hmm. if I was making a print material. And I do that pretty frequently for church stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and somebody sends me a block of text or if I get it from, you know, if I'm, you know, getting, um, you know, a block of scripture or something to put into a program or something, and it didn't have two spaces, I'd go through and manually put them in. It got <laughs> to the point that I'm... <laughs> In saying this, I might draw attention to my basically defunct blog, if uh, where the name Kitar Catholic comes from. Actually, it was not originally my Twitter handle. There is a an old blogspot uh, Kitar Catholic site. Please don't look it up. But you can <laughs> you can find the point at which the blog posts switch from two spaces to one space after a period. But that was that took work, it, and it mm-hmm. wasn't. But it wasn't out of laziness. So the uh, like, I would have to manually go in to the HTML editor and mm-hmm. make it do two spaces after a period. Like wow. I was fighting that hard to say, no, this is the way it's supposed to be, and the world is crazy, and I'm the sane one, and I'm going to do this. <laughs> um, so like that, that's where it comes from. It was just simply it was what I was taught when I was first taught to type, mm-hmm. and um, you weren't going to change my mind. Because I <laughs> took it for granted that this authority figure, and it wasn't even, it wasn't the typing teacher, because the typing teacher just sat in at her desk and didn't really care what we were doing so long as we were printing out our sheets and turning them in and, you know, the whole process of the way typing class worked in 1998. Um, <laughs> it was It was literally a computer that told me that I was supposed to do that. And that's where my religious adherence to this idea came from. <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, it's interesting that you, you bring up the the typewriter thing because that's that's my understanding 
is that the two spaces after a period thing did start on typewriters because typewriters use what's called a, a monospaced font, which means every letter and punctuation mark takes up the exact same amount of space because that's that's how typewriters work, which is... Well, and that's, preci- not- that's precisely right. And that's why I was clear to say that it was a DOS machine that I was yeah. typing on because it was 80 column text. Every single character took up the same number of pixels on the screen. Okay. So it worked the same way as a typewriter, but... Uh-huh. It wasn't a typewriter, so that like the whole argument that oh, that's just what typewriters do. <laughs> like, I was, what are you talking about? Yeah. I was on a DOS machine. Um, well, there, yeah. I mean, you can use mono spaced fonts on computers. And yeah, even for, even for error and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, I I think I, I think if you read a lot of typewritten sheets, and you know, you will notice it is a lot easier to read that particular style of type if there's two spaces after a period and after a colon. Yeah, she spaces after a colon. Important. I I also observed that religiously. <laughs> and again, that goes back to that typing program. I wish I could uh-huh. find what it was called. I have no idea what that program was, um, just for nostalgia's sake. But yeah, there were a lot of competing ones floating around out there in the nineties. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, so this was a Catholic high school in 1998. It was probably a program from 1992. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. not like we had great. Uh, equipment and you know the cutting edge stuff you know they were old computers by then (laughs) why do you think you clung to it so much like i can understand like learning to do it and then just having that muscle memory but like why was it something you were willing to fight fight for (laughs) yeah i mean fight for i mean i don't know that i ever argued with people about it not until later we'll get to that um but it was, like I said, it was something that I would, behind the scenes, I would change what you wrote to make it the right way. You right. Know, like, so not a fight, but it was, there's a right way to do this and, and you're wrong and I'm going to fix it. Mm-hmm. I, I can't say that I have a, like there, there is a, a part of me that is ready to question anything and ready to dig deep into the reasons why, um, why this is or is not valid as far as like an assertion that's being made, whether it's politics or theology or, or any, any topic. Like I, I do have a kind of exhaustive approach to things in that Mm -hmm. I I will sort of like take a long time to make up my mind. And I will just kind of listen to people talk about things. It's not something that I have to have my mind made up about anything for years. I'll just kind of think, well, okay. And then I'll even kind of maybe tend towards this or that side, but then move back to it and, and never really have to take a stand on a given topic. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not in any, any kind of hurry, mm-hmm. but when it comes to aesthetics, when it comes to the way that something looks, when it comes to the way that something sounds, mm-hmm. when it comes to the layout of a given space, mm-hmm. I ha- I mean, gosh, I've said, I, we, we talked at the very beginning about like, I have this 80s nostalgic kind of appreciation for the way things looked back then or what, like the, the way things are first presented to me, I really like that. Mm-hmm. And any deviation from that is something that I, uh, I'm hesitant about or even will, you know, I'll be reactionary against it. Um, I, I can't explain why that is. But it's really something that I've come to realize about myself in the last 10 years or so, uh, Mm. as I've learned to say goodbye to things that I thought were important, Uh, Mm. whether it's, you know, just old, you know, papers or pictures or or, or little memorabilia, you know, I'm going through stuff at my mom's house after my dad died. And like, there's all this stuff that was, it's mine, but I don't, 
like being able to say goodbye to things that I thought were important. Um, like in the realm of ideas, I'm free to question and free to think about things and, and, and open to, to considering different points of view. But as far as like physical objects, visceral kinds of memories, sounds, smells, touch and taste, that stuff matters a lot to me. Hmm. Um, and I'm not in any kind of hurry to change my mind on any of that stuff. So I, I think that that's a, that's a big part of it, I guess. I, I, I wouldn't have put it in those words until you asked that question, actually. Um, but very much that's been the reflection of, like I said, the last decade of my life has kind of been like, why am I holding on to this? Or why does that matter to me? It's really unimportant. And it's, it, it's also in realizing that, all right, it might be important to me, but it's not going to be important to anybody else that I would try to hand it on to. Like, I'm not going to be able to put this into somebody's hands. Like, um, I mentioned, I think at a certain point, um, you know, video games and stuff. I, I like video games a lot. I'm a video game collector. Um, I, I like to, I used to anyway, go thrifting and kind of, you know, find some stuff and everything. At a certain point though, I realized nobody else is going to want this. Like, I like hmm. it, but if I accumulate this stuff, what's going to happen to it? Hmm. Um, I like it because of the way it looks. I like it because of the way it sounds. I like it because, but but it, it really doesn't matter. It's really not important. I mean, there are some parts of, you know, I guess if we're talking video games, there's some, some parts of my collection that I like a lot and I'm probably not going to be giving away or selling or anytime, anytime soon. But um, it's, you know, it's just growing up. It's just realizing that, you know, the things that you had as a child, the things that uh, you had as even a teenager really, really aren't as as um, precedent setting as you might think they are. Hmm. And it's okay for the world to change and it's okay for you to catch up with where the world is. What led you to, to reconsider the, the spaces after a period thing? Okay, so I find that while I have basically abandoned Facebook, I don't really go there much anymore. I still have my <laughs> accounts. Um, I do find that the, the search options that you have for past posts is a little bit easier to navigate than Twitter, which is where that's my social media space that I'm really very yeah. present in. Um, so it wasn't very difficult to find um, the the catalyst because I remembered the I remembered the post and I remembered the conversation that unfolded. Um, so I just had to remember a few key words and we got there really, really quick. But this is a post of mine from August 18th, 2013 hmm. on Facebook. I said, and this is months after I had started my Twitter account. So <laughs> Twitter, colon, the only place I don't put two spaces after a period or a colon, period. That's right, yeah. And that's back in, you know, 140 characters days. That's even, you know, I was, you had to really be budgeting. Yeah, no kidding. The spaces and stuff. So, but it was just kind of a point, you know, that's one of those, I'm, I don't even know if I tweeted it, actually. I, had, I didn't check that. Um, maybe somebody will. I hope not. I hope it's not that important. But I did... I, I presented this thing as a tweet on Facebook as I was kind of, I guess, transitioning towards more of a Twitter mentality. Anyway, the only place I don't put two spaces after period or colon to sort of put my fist in the air and say, yeah, but everywhere else I'm gonna because it matters. <laughs> the kinds of very important things that you say on social media and you can't wait for people to disagree with you so you can make a point. <laughs> and people did disagree with me. Hmm. Uh, and that's what sent me down this road. So um, there were two people in particular that disagreed with me. One of them was a seminary. Uh, he wasn't a classmate. He was a year ahead of me in seminary, actually, but I've known for a long time. Um, and he, um, you know, sent me an article and everything to, to look at and everything. But the other person that disagreed with me, and this was actually the game changer. All right. So the, the guy I knew in seminary, whatever, who cares? <laughs> um, but there was a girl that I went to high school with 
um, who, um, this was her first comment. Uh, in my industry, we cringe at two spaces. It is always the f- the first find and replace I do in all of my layouts. <laughs> all right. Now, t- 2013 me was like, I don't care what your industry <laughs> has to say about this. Like, who cares? Because like, I'm right. Uh, so I, o- I open, I just lay into like, I, <laughs> I post this article from Slate. And then I start, I mean, paragraphs of why I'm right and why she's wrong, which is just, I mean, looking back, I mean, it's only seven years ago, but <laughs> I mean, I was an ass on this thread. Okay. <laughs> like, I feel what? like that's how a lot of people used Facebook seven years ago. Uh, well, arguing, arguing seven years that. ago. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I, I feel like maybe I'm maybe I'm totally off base. Like I feel like this is true of me, and it seems to be true of most of the people I encounter on Facebook these days. Which is that I don't have time for that sort of thing anymore. <laughs> you know, like yeah, yeah. Like I, I mean, there, there's just there's literally hundreds of millions, uh, well, literally billions of people on this website, and like I don't have time to argue with all of them who are wrong. You know, <laughs> exactly. But really, I mean, it really is kind of a case study because. So she, this was her like field. This is what she did for a living was, you know, um, layout design and everything. Like I've kind of kept up with her through the years, actually, not because of this. I mean, she probably doesn't (laughs) think, give it a second thought, probably one of a thousand people that she's had this conversation with, including clients (laughs) and things. Um, But like, this is what she studied. This is what she was doing for a living. And I was just not having it, like not interested in what she had to say, even though she had the authority to say it, like she had every bit. And maybe there is, I'm not going to pretend that there wasn't, maybe there was some sexism in that, but I, (laughs) but it really, I think it was, it was the idea itself that it's supposed to be two spaces and the world has changed. And I don't like that it changed and it's supposed to be this way. And I'm going to give you all these reasons why it should be this way. Like, like why, why my way is right. Um, like, so she said she that we cringe at two spaces. My first words back at her, you cringe, really? Do astronomers cringe when people nostalg- nostalgically refer to Pluto as a planet? Like, so I brought up the whole Pluto thing, which, which the crazy thing is, and I even admit to it later on in the thread, like, I'm perfectly all right with Pluto not being a planet because the idea of a dwarf planet and the fact that there are other like even larger bodies in the solar system than Pluto, like I'm totally sold on that. Like it's not a problem. Um, Sorry if your listeners are like, maybe you can do an episode about Pluto. Maybe you have, if I missed that one, sorry. Um, Like maybe that's a topic out there that a potential um, interviewee uh, could do. But I actually have a story about Pluto, but, um... (laughs) but, but like, so I, I changed my mind on that one, but like, what a strange thing to bring up in that I wasn't changing my mind on this topic. I don't, mm-hmm. I, I'm mm-hmm. not sure where that thought came from, but it, it just stuck <laughs> out to me. I'm not going to sit here and read my old Facebook post to the letter, <laughs> but like that particular part, I was, I'm, I, I was reading it the other day thinking, what a, what an idiot. Why did this matter? And, and why would I come at it from that angle? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, there, there was that time, um, like I said, I feel like social media felt very different seven or eight years ago. Like it, it felt yeah. like, like the arguments on it felt very low stakes and it, it was like, it's fun to argue. Let's argue some, you know? Um, 
and it some something has changed a lot <laughs> since then. <laughs> like, yes. like I, I think we, we were all um, we were all aboard a, a sinking ship or something, and we didn't know we were until it was too late or something. And now social media is a much darker and uglier place. Um, which I, maybe that's not even the right way of putting it. Like, if people are constantly arguing, like there's a case that that's ugly. But like, I feel like people were arguing for fun. <laughs> and now they're at each other's throats. I don't know. Yeah, I don't no. Know I mean, well, like they, like I, I was digging my heels into the sand, but it was about something not very important. And right. both of those people that I disagreed with in the thread, I would most certainly have had a cordial conversation about anything, like certainly about politics, certainly about theology. Like we wouldn't have, we would not have gone come to blows over that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think you're exactly right. Like there was a playfulness to it. Um, and there was a roll your eyes and, you know, who cares what this guy thinks and, and you move on with your life. And that's really not the way it is anymore, which is right. unfortunate. <laughs> it's like the world is on fire and Facebook and Twitter are where we go to throw gasoline on it now. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, the interesting thing about Pluto, and maybe this is like so far unrelated that I'll have to cut it out, but, um, like right before Pluto got declassified was um, I, I think it was in my sophomore year of college and I was in an astronomy class. Um, and like for my final paper for the class, I had written this whole big paper on the Kuiper belt and the Oort cloud, um, which for listeners who don't know, the Kuiper belt is like the S the asteroid belt, the outer asteroid belt that includes Pluto and a bunch of other uh, planetoids. Um, so yeah, like I had just finished writing that paper when they announced, yeah, Pluto's not a planet anymore. And I was like, yeah, well, duh, it's not a planet. <laughs> like anybody who's looked into it knows that it's just a glorified asteroid. Nice, um, but then like the whole world lost its mind. <laughs> like I was like, wow, people were attached to the Pluto being a planet. I I don't know. Um, it's Yeah, <laughs> the world did lose its mind. And <laughs> I mean, I've had real life, like in-person conversations with people where I just present like the facts of the matter. Um, like, because I've... I've, I guess, drunk the dwarf planet um, Kool-Aid. I don't know. Like, like it just makes sense, y'all. Um, like, just do, just read the Wikipedia page. It's not that hard. But people, and like, and the, I, I suppose it's very much like arguing with 2013 me on the two spaces after a period or colon. Like, they come up with with reasons. They come up with 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 why it should be and why, like, even if even if the facts say this, like, uh, and you have to. I don't I don't know what you do with that. I mean, I've those conversations usually just end in changing the subject. But so going back to to the the spaces thing, I like some of the things that I brought up was the fact that like okay, maybe even if it's right, even even if like it was just a typewriter thing and that, you know, typesetting and all, and all this stuff like the whole history of it, even if all that matters, like I think that it's actually kind of a neat addition to uh to the, the way that we present printed materials that we have this holdover from typewriters. Like it's a little historical little nugget that's in there. That's a, that's part of what we have now. But, I mean, what we have, we didn't have it anymore because at this point in the world, people didn't put two spaces after their period, but in my mind they did still, or they should. So I was like, but isn't this a great little relic that we can have in all of our produced materials for people to read? Like, why are there two spaces after a period? Ah, that's because of this thing called the typewriter. Um, and, uh, and, and it just made it easier to read, uh, just like you would do. And, and this was something I did bring up to that friend of mine from high school was why do you put the period or the comma inside of the quotation marks instead of outside mm -hmm. the quotation marks? 
Like that's a holdover that we still have. That's a nonsensical rule. Um, that's something that's based off of the way that uh, a movable type um, printer used to work. And I mean, honest, I'm saying these things like I know something about it. I really don't. So if, <laughs> if you want to correct me on any point, that's fine. Yeah, but no, like- I th- I, it is a it is a holdover from like the old printing press. And I, I it's been a long time since I read up on this. But what I remember is that putting the period outside would um, often result in like, like, uh, I think like, like the period was too small, yeah. like the piece was too small. So it was just easier. Uh, that's what I remember from a long, long time ago. But the, I, th- I think the periods tended to break like the, the block okay. Tended okay. To break. Um, yeah. But yeah. It sounds, it sounds truthy. I believe it. <laughs> Someone can look it up and tell me I'm wrong. If they're listening at home. Um, but that's what I remember. Yeah. So um, I was like, why, why don't we have two spaces after a period like that? Like this neat little thing. Um, thinking that it was, like I had already lost the battle, not realizing that like the world had moved on, like not realizing that I mean, it's 2013. I had been blogging for like three or four years at this point, um, which is probably late to start blogging. I know. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, like I was like work, like the fact that I had to fight against Google to put two spaces behind my periods should have been a little indication that, Hey, you know what? This isn't what we do. Like your, your romantic idea <laughs> that this is some neat thing yeah. that people care about. No, it's just you, just you buddy. Um, yeah. Now it took me. I mean, that is an interesting argument. Like, I, I don't want to. I don't want to say that argument is complete nonsense because, like you say, there are a lot of things that are holdovers from, like, the period inside inside quotation marks is one. But like, one of the other obvious ones is like just how we spell words in this language. You know, <laughs> like, like there's no standard phonics in English, and ninety percent of how a word is spelled is determined by its etymology. Right. So yeah. And it, you know, that's why at spelling bees, the kids are always like, may I have the language of origin, please? Because if you don't know the language of origin, you, know, you probably you know, don't know how to spell the word. So, so first of <laughs> of all you're you're kind of you know pushing me back to the two spaces thing that you know i don't know like don't argue in favor of it because i might change my mind <laughs> um the first time that any of your guests has changed their mind back to the thing on the podcast um hey, but no the yeah. uh, the other thing is that you bring up spelling bees i am and have been for nine years the uh the pronouncer the judge for the uh the spelling bee for all of the catholic schools in the city of mobile oh wow like like you bring that up like that's near and dear to my heart um so i'm not the guy that reads the the language of origin and the definitions i'm the one that pronounces the word Hmm. um but that is a sacred uh duty of mine like i spend (laughs) like we never get to the crazy hard words but i practice them like i'm ready to go and i'm going to say it very clearly uh, and i'm going to do my job with because in that in that scenario, like the kid needs to hear it well, mm-hmm. and if they spell it wrong because I screwed up, that's not okay. Like <laughs> that that like it's such a weird thing that we do in having spelling bees, mm-hmm. and it's such a torturous and uncomfortable situation that we put the, even like the well practiced kids <laughs> in. Um, well, most languages, it wouldn't even make sense to have a spelling. I bee know that's the words thing. phonetically. <laughs> yeah, you want to talk about like things that we do that are holdovers for like yeah. Here's one, <laughs> spelling bees. That's a weird thing. <laughs> oh man. Um, all right. So why why don't we keep keep things moving? And um, why don't you tell me when you first finally reconsidered about this this is lost to the mists of you know sort of my memory okay like it, uh, <laughs> but but there is some documentation as i said there is my old blog uh that at some point between the month of january 2014 
in month of October 2014, which there was a that big of a jump in my blog post. I was already starting to slow down and not care about <laughs> blogging at that point. But between January and October of 2014, the posts go from two spaces to one space at that point. Hmm. And it was, I, the best way of putting it is just sort of a silent, um, quiet concession that I guess this is the way things are now. And I was wrong. The world's not going to be this way. <laughs> and also, like, the you know, just reading books, noticing that you don't have to have two spaces after a period. It's not something that's – it's not helping me to understand it. Oh, now, that the, – the article, notwithstanding, that I posted on Twitter to, you know, that – that spawned this episode, I guess, about how, oh, scientists say that there's a slight, you know, increase in, in readability of things. Like, that doesn't matter. Like, you know, if there's some <laughs> marginal percentage of how quickly you can read something that you gain, it doesn't, it's, it's insignificant. It doesn't matter. Like, it's, it's just the way things are. And my eyes were slowly open to it. Of course, I never, I, I, I might, I might send her, if I might send her a link to this podcast to just say like, Hey, I want you to know that eventually, you know, I did change my mind. It took a year before I changed my mind. And then it took <laughs> another six years before I'm telling you, but <laughs> what you said authoritatively, like that was the first voice that ever said, no, you're wrong. I do this for a living. And she didn't like argue it. Like she just gracefully like moved on with her life. Um, but like for me, it, it began a slow process of letting go of an idea of something that doesn't matter. And I know that that's not really the topic a lot of times of the, or the kinds of topics that your guests are talking about. Most of the time it's things that really do matter a lot. Mm -hmm. But I think changing our minds, like coming to a realization that something you thought was important is not that important anymore. That's big. Mm -hmm. I mean, certainly not to ring my own bell because like it's laughable how much I held on to this. Uh, so it, <laughs> I'm kind of ashamed in talking about it. Uh, but yeah, it, it was just growing up a little bit and realizing it's like, I'm 30. I, I, I can let go of that. <laughs> I can move on from having to have two, two spaces after a period. Um, that's not to say though, like there's, there's more data to consider. I'm still going to stick it with the one space after a period and a colon. Um, but the, uh, just in kind of wrapping my head around the whole subject. I, I was trying to do a little bit of research to sound like I know what I'm talking about. Uh, and it just occurred to me, I was like, let me, let me look at some print materials from before the typewriter exists. Let me, let me see what it actually looked like. Um, and what I happened upon and, and I've, I've really tried to make certain that I was looking at, you know, a scan of an original copy, making certain that it was the correct thing. Uh, what I happened upon was the, uh, the pamphlet by Thomas Paine, common sense. And if you look up scans of that, at least the ones that I looked at, again, I'm, I'm happy to admit that I was looking at some reprint from, you know, a century later. I don't know. I tried my best. <laughs> but there's very clearly a lot more space after a period than there are after just the spaces between words. Hmm. And and this is like a, it, you know, it's it's a justified, you know, layout to where it's it's straight down the, uh, the page on the left and the right margin. Mm -hmm. Um, so they're like fixing it They're whatever they did. I mean, I don't know how <laughs> I have no idea without a computer, how they used to do that thing, that sort of thing. It's really <laughs> impressive actually to look at old books and, and wonder how they did it. Mm -hmm. Um, but they took the time to make more space after a period on this pamphlet that 
mm-hmm. you know, is pretty influential in the formation of the United States of America. It's kind of a big deal. It's kind of famous. Not <laughs> not an insignificant thing. Uh, I don't know how exhaustive that is. I, I didn't like look at lots and lots of other pamphlets or old books or anything. I was just thinking like, what's an old text that I know existed and was in print in its original existence? Um, and that was what I thought of. Um, mm-hmm. But like really clearly, like there was more space after the period, like significantly, it's not even, and, and repeatedly uh, throughout the, the text. So I don't know, I don't know that I buy the typewriter thing, actually. Like, I, I don't know what else goes into it. I'm, I'm sure there's some historian that would be able to give very clear reasons why, like to give just a coherent story to the whole thing. But um like the the whole typewriter thing, whatever it doesn't really matter. Like whether or not it was a typewriter or is a we are now in a space where we don't put two spaces after a period. Yeah, and that's all right. Like I, that's not something that I need to worry about. It's definitely not something I need to waste my time opening up. You know, HTML rather than you know the nice user interface that that Google Blogger had back in you know 2012 <laughs> to be able to to type something out to, to take the time to to go through and fix all the quote unquote errors no that's stupid that's a that's a waste <laughs> of time like life ain't worth it uh, like there's, there's or the, like the waste of time the waste of my life um in in going about doing that it's just not worth it there's there's better uses of my time and my energy i can say um just for whatever it's worth, <laughs> as someone who has looked at probably more uh, primary sources from the colonial era than the average person has. See, here it is. I say there's probably somebody <laughs> out there. I'm talking to him. Great. <laughs> Go ahead. Lay it on me. Uh, I was just going to say very little was standardized back then. <laughs> All right. Not as bad a blow as I was expecting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you, 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 you compare like, you, you know, documents from that, that were published, you know, within a few years of each other, you look at them and like, there's, there's no rules. Like <laughs> they just put stuff wherever they put it and they spell burden with a TH instead of a D for some reason. And Half their S's look like F's. I don't even know. <laughs> why didn't, yeah. So why didn't we keep the whole FS thing? Like, that's a cool thing. You want, you're like, we, we get stuck with, you know, putting your period inside of the, the quotation mark. Like, who cares about that? We could have this cool stylistic FS thing going on. We, le- we left that one behind. Whatever. Well, it survived into German for a little bit as that kind of combined B looking letter. Um, but I don't even think standard German uses that anymore. Anyway, can I confess something to you that will almost definitely set your teeth on edge? I hear confessions for a living. <laughs> Couldn't resist. I'm sorry. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about it that way. But yes, um, when I was in, I want to say fifth grade, maybe sixth grade, maybe, you know, sometime, you know, anytime in, in that general late elementary school period. I don't know how I got this in my head, but I genuinely believed that you should put no spaces after a period. You know what? (laughs) I respect that. (laughs) I don't know where I got that idea. Like for some reason I thought in my head, like punctuation replaces the need for a space. Honestly. Um, Yeah. It's it's, (laughs) historically, it's an arbitrary thing, right? Like even spaces between letters, it took us forever. Yeah. Anybody who's ever learned a foreign language, like fluently being able to listen and speak like, there's a step that happens in there when when you suddenly begin to hear the spaces between like you don't hear the spaces but you're able to separate the words a word like yeah. like it's not just a series of phonemes and you can start to understand a sentence and and the distinctions between between words 
like that's why originally when you wrote things down, there wasn't a space between words because we don't speak that way. Yeah, we just it. speak in long series of of sounds until you know we have to stop and think because <laughs> our brains have to catch up and we throw in uh and like and all that that sort of thing. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, see, I'm I'm doing it right now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the the idea that we need to have spaces it is extremely helpful for the reader, but for the producer of the text, especially early on, it was just you know just I'm writing what I'm saying, mm-hmm. and and yeah, I think that makes perfect sense that the punctuation is a clearer mark than an o- open space that mm-hmm. I'm indicating a pause of some kind here. Uh, like that makes sense to me. I'm not in, in any way that's going to affect, I'm sorry, uh, to fifth grade you, that's not going to affect the way that I write things, <laughs> but, uh, no, that, that makes perfect sense. You might've just convinced me to go back to doing that. <laughs> Please do. I, I'm going to send my copy of your book back and I'd like it, um, reformatted, please. Then I'll read it. I'll take a, I'll take a tiny scissors and like carefully snip out all the words <laughs> and glue them together. Yeah. I, I wrote, and it, I wrote an entire essay on my dad's DOS computer when I was, I was in, I want to say sixth grade and I didn't put a single space after any of the punctuation marks. And my dad took a look at it and he was like, what is this? <laughs> what are you doing? I'm raising a, a, a lunatic. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> What on earth? <laughs> All right. Um, well, I, I mean, one of the one of the questions I typically ask on this show is, do you have a quote unquote coming out story? Like, did did you had to have to go to people who knew you were committed to your original idea and confess to them that you changed your mind, or is is this is this your coming out right now? <laughs> I mean, really, in an official way, yeah. As I've already said, like I think as a joke, I'm going to send the link, and hopefully, maybe you'll you'll gain another listener um, when I send it to her. Um, <laughs> that that there is somebody that began the process and just to kind of say, hey, check it out. I changed my mind after <laughs> a long time. Um, no, it, it was just the sort of silent. I'm going to change this and, and go along with what everybody else is doing. Um, and, uh, and and frankly, maybe there is some, you know, subconscious effect that Twitter had on me too. I mean, in those years I, I was somewhat active on there. So maybe just the, the budgeting of space mattered to me and, and that started to, to affect the way that I did it. Mm -hmm. I can't say for sure, but no, I, I definitely don't have, some great in no way to compare with the fervor <laughs> with which I defended that, uh, that one post that, uh, the day the earth stood still that, that famous Facebook page, <laughs> a famous Facebook uh, post uh, there. There's nothing to compare with that. Um, except maybe a podcast that people listen to. So here I am, I'm, I'm saying sorry for my obstinacy, uh, changed my mind on this silly thing. Um, but it was hard. Yeah. It was hard to change my mind. And I think that is the lesson for every single time, every single episode I've listened to, it's not easy. Hmm. It's very difficult to let go of something that matters a lot to you, even for trivial reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes the trivial reasons, like it's even more important to you mm-hmm. uh, than, you know, the the highfalutin, um, uh, the, the, the very... Um, cerebral, cerebral ideas and, and, you know, well thought out processes and everything. Like I had like lots of evidence to tell me why I should change my mind. No, but it, no, but this is wrong. I'm doing it the right way. Um, 
this is why I love the podcast so much. Um, because as, as you've said on numerous episodes, it's a rare thing for people to change their mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's rare because it's very hard. But this is, I mean, getting into like personally, um, and I guess you'd say professionally, what I do for a living, like changing your mind, changing your life, uh, having a moment of conversion, that's what it means to turn around. Mm-hmm. That is, it's hard, but it's important. Mm-hmm. It is a necessary part of, I mean, I've said it earlier in the podcast about it's a necessary part of growing up. It's a necessary part of just being a human person. Um, it's a necessary part of human flourishing because absolutely nobody was presented with all the right ideas the first time around. Absolutely nobody was given, here's all the right stuff. And I happen to believe that I was actually given a lot of the right answers. Like I'm a Catholic priest. Uh, I don't have any big conversion story. I don't have anything that, you know, any moment in life where I was really brought to Christ in a uh, profound way. I grew up with positive priest role models. I grew up in a um, loving Catholic household that took faith seriously, and we prayed together every day, and we went to Mass on Sundays, and and church was our life, but not in a weird way. Kind of have to say that too, I guess. Um, like, and I just uh, priesthood was what I kind of wanted to do with my life, and that's really just the whole story. Um, so, like, I believe that I was given some pretty solid ideas early on. Um, things that I could hold on to and believe. Um, and my, as I said, cerebral side, uh, the thinking side, the logical side has sort of tested those things and and life experience has tested those things. And I believe it's kind of tested, it, it stood the test of time um, and, and what life throws at it. Um, but um, nobody has the full set of cards. Nobody has every right answer. Mm-hmm. Um and so you got to learn to to let go of the wrong answer. When you, when you realize it, when you realize I'm wrong on this, all right, I'm I'm going to stop being wrong. I'm going to mm-hmm. start being right on this. Start mm-hmm. speaking the truth if it's a really important thing or just start doing it the right way or stop stop uh, inconveniencing myself having to make certain that there's only two spaces after a uh a colon or a period. Um yeah, it's 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 hard to make that realization, but everybody does. And if you don't, then you're just kind of stuck. I, again, I'm, I'm not saying this from a place of authority. I'm saying it from a place of shame. You're stuck um, in almost like an arrested development, um, not in the TV show, but like not actually developing in the way you're supposed to as a person. Hmm. Um, you got to learn to be able to let go of, of bad ideas. Yeah, I think once you start, <laughs> once you start like, uh, belligerently defending of you, you've invested yourself in it in a way that maybe ne- not isn't necessarily very healthy, right? Like you've invested yourself in a way that changing your mind about it, admitting, "Hey, I was I was wrong," is like a le- legitimately painful and embarrassing thing to have to do. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, um, that sounds like a pretty good segue into my. Final trio of questions, uh, which are probably way too deep for the conversation we just had. Um, but this is at least nominally a philosophy show. So we always close with uh, these questions of epistemology and ontology. How do we know truth? How do we know ourselves? Um, Father Stephen, what is identity? Does everyone have an identity? How do you know your identity? What do you think? I believe there is an objective answer to that question, that there is a right or wrong answer to who I am, to, to what my identity, what myself is. Uh, and I, I think that that's evident in 
the way that we speak about it, we talk about discovering who I am, figuring out who I am, um, that there's a goal to that process. I mean, you could say that you're, you're creating who you are as you're going through that process, but I don't really think that's accurate. I think that there is a, there's something to find at the end of that process that I didn't make. Hmm. Um, that, I mean, I don't know how I be. you say this is a guest driven show. So here we go. I mean, like, there, there's a Christian side to this. Like, like I didn't make it. Somebody else made it, mm-hmm. and I'm discovering what, um, what God made. Uh, that it is a that He created me in a particular way. Um, that is to say, I'm more than just the sum of who I used to be uh, or who I have been through the years. That there's, you know, everything that I can remember and all my experiences. Like, I, I mean, I've I've done lots and lots of, uh, of of philosophy. That's one of the the um, I think um, values to um, priestly formation and becoming a Catholic priest, and and certainly other faith traditions. Not just a, a Catholic thing, but it is a solid part of your preparation for even studying theology. Is you study a great deal of philosophy beforehand. So these are not questions that are foreign to me or out of nowhere. Like the things that I've considered in depth and at length. Um, so, like, yeah, I've I've seen other ways of figuring out identity of, of considered them, but really like there's me and then there's something in me that doesn't want to live up to that. So like, Mm. there's like, I I can be true to myself or not. Mm. Um, I can be true to, um, and, and when I say self in that, in that instance, when I say like, I can be true to myself or not, there's two ways of taking that. There's the self in, in the sense of the thing I created. I can be true to that. Or I can be true to what God created. So like there's a calling there. There's a there's a responsibility even um, that's more than just like to myself, but even to um, those around me and to God himself. Hmm. Um, so like identity, um, first and foremost, is what God had in mind. Um, like that is, that's my insistence that is, you know, it, that's not a philosophical statement. That is a theological statement that is based on my faith. Um, but I, that for that, that doesn't mean I don't think it's valid. I think it's incredibly valid, incredibly important. Um, and it also fits right into what I think is an, another thing that is beautiful about humanity, that we're all different. Hmm. There's irrepe- irrepeatability of the human person that there's not going to be another one of me. And there's not going to be like, there's a lot of us, my goodness, there's a whole lot of us and we don't seem to be slowing down. Um, <laughs> there, there's a whole, a whole lot of, a whole lot of us, but there's not uniformity. There's not conformity. There is variety and it's beautiful and wonderful. And every single one of those people is a different self. Every single one of those people has a different um, and distinct identity. And it is not something they made, something that was gifted to them, um, so there you go. I mean, look, I've been listening to the podcast for a little bit. I've I was ready for these questions. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I seem too overprepared for them, but I'm really excited to talk about these topics. Yeah, um, I, let me poke at something because I'm I'm curious. You, you said there's a there's a difference between who we make ourselves and who God made us to be. Is that is that an accurate? An accurate paraphrase. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's that's accurate. Um, I think my, my question is how how do how do you how do you know how do you know the difference? How do you find out the difference? I mean, we're going to get into question two on that one, I think. But okay. well, why don't we go on? <laughs> do you want? So, do you want- well, no. Let's let's before we get into that. So it's right. a matter of like there, there's two ways of taking it. Like there's whether or not we're considering sin as part of the picture, mm-hmm. right? That like obviously 
sin would be I'm making myself. But I think that there are non-sinful ways that we might go our own path thinking it's the right way, thinking mm-hmm. that we are being true to something. I mean, it's a stupid example, but like, I don't think it was sinful for me to think that two spaces after a period matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was fervent in it, and I was 100% behind it, and I was going to fight for it. Um, but it it wasn't the truth. Um, it, it, it was a bad idea. And so I think that in, as, as we discover ourselves, as we, as we figure out who we are, like you have to, at certain points, pick a path and go down the path for a bit. And it becomes clear whether or not like it's the right thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's a, that's actually a very helpful discernment tool. Like it, as far as, uh, those of your listeners who believe, um, like if you want to figure out what God wants you to do with your life, just pick something. Hmm. Go down and like it, it'll be clear. And, and if it's the wrong thing, then you can change. That's it's all right. Change your mind. It's the name of the podcast. It's all right. Hmm. Um, so like so the, there's there's sinful ways, and then there's non sinful ways that we might, um, as Incubus would say, make ourselves. Um, <laughs> that's that's my little nod to the to the teenagers from you know 1997. Hey, <laughs> I'm a cool guy. Shout out to all the time traveling teenagers from the turn of the century <laughs> who are listening. Um, all right. Second question. What is human nature? Are we all the same deep down? Are we all different deep down? Are we all blank slates? What do you think? Uh, I mean, same and different. Those are not big <laughs> enough words, uh, really to, to answer that question. So look, I, I can't say that it was good, but my, uh, my thesis, my master's thesis, um, was on Aristotle, um, and on Aristotle's understanding of the soul. Um, so like rational animal is my go-to for human nature. Like that's what defines what a human being is, is a a rational animal. Um, I'm not really too interested in going into a big lesson about, um, all of that, but, uh, I think one good way of going about like just a thing to consider about Aristotelian philosophy that, you know, goodness, there's plenty about Aristotelian physics that is very clearly not accurate, not true <laughs> to the way that the world works and everything. But I think that something we've lost is the idea of final causality, that mm-hmm. there is a reason for which things exist. There's a reason for which creation exists or the universe exists. If you don't believe in a creator, uh, there's a reason for which I exist. Um, and that is the final cause. Um, you know, when, when you make something, when you make a chair, the final cause of that chair is that somebody would sit in it. There's a reason mm-hmm. that it exists. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a reason that I exist. There's a reason that you exist. Um, that natural end, the thing that, that like we exist for, Aristotle would say is, you know, happiness, um, uh, human flourishing that we would be, that we would be fully alive, um, and live to our fullest potential. Um, but um, that's tough, though. I'm, I'm, I mean, listen, I don't. I'm just going to keep talking until you tell me to stop, because I'm going to get into <laughs> some. I'm going to get into some, you know, Christian uh, ideas here. If, if if you're not open to that, you let me know or whatever. Right. That's not within the scope of the the show. You you just stop me. This this show always <laughs> finds its way back to religion one way or another. So please keep going. <laughs> Most certainly. <laughs> So my, yeah, my, like, goal, my goal is to eventually alienate all my listeners by just constantly talking about religion and politics. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we're and we're back to Facebook. Here we go. All right. Yeah, there it is. All right. So all right, there's a there's a reason for which things exist, okay? But like what's what good is a chair if it's not really good for sitting in, right? Like there's if if you're not good at the final cause, if you're not actually good at accomplishing the thing you exist for, then 
are you even a chair? Are you even a human person if you're not really good at realizing what it means? And that's that's where you talk about um, the entrance of sin into the picture, the brokenness of human nature, like that. That's where those things really become um, clear, and even I would dare say necessary for understanding of the human person. Like there's a brokenness there. There is a desire for what is not going to fulfill me. There is a desire for things that if I get them, it's going to hurt other people. Um, and I just put that out of my mind and I'll, and I'll, and I'll do it like that. That's, that's there in our nature. Um, from the Catholic perspective, that's, that's a consequence of original sin. If you got to put it in those terms, some of your, um, some of your uh, guests have put it in different terms before. Uh, but, but it, basically like there is something in us, like there's enough of us that wants what's good and we will always frame what we want in terms of wanting what's good. Mm. But there's also part of us that is okay with enough evil, whatever enough is, there's a certain level that says like, I'm going to tolerate that much as I seek out this good thing for myself. Um, And that's contrary to our nature. That's contrary to, because human flourishing, what it means to really be alive um, is that there are other people. Hmm. Like I've got a responsibility to other people too. Like that's part of the whole picture. Like it's not just me. I'm part of the the human family and there's so much more to it. so, all that said, I'm talking about just the natural end of the human person, that we would be happy. That's what Aristotle would talk about. But then comes the Christian side, which says there is not just a natural end to the human person, there is a supernatural end. Um, and that is what God created us for. And that's not just to be happy, but to find what true happiness is, which is in knowing, loving, and serving the Lord, mm-hmm. um, and enjoying the beatific vision through all eternity and um, rising again in the resurrection of the body at the end of time. So um, I'm not going to dwell too much on those ideas. Um, <laughs> if anybody wants to know more about it, you can hit me up on Twitter at Kitar Catholic. Um, yeah. There you go. Yeah. The older I get, the more I think the world needs more Aristotelianism. So <laughs> yeah, it's, I think we all, well, I don't know, <laughs> not we all, but me and you apparently like there is, you learn this stuff. It sounds great. And then like, then you read, you know, Kant and Hume, um, you read things that challenge, uh, you, you read Bacon, like all, the, and it's like, well, I don't know if it's really adding up, but then you live life for a bit and you're like, oh no, those guys were throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Like there's something to all this. Yeah. That's my experience anyway. Yeah. Cool. Um, and finally, what is truth? How do you know truth? How do you know when you found truth? What do you think? Truth. Um, I mean, look, I'm a Catholic priest. (laughs) Truth is the person of Jesus Christ. The fullness of revelation, the fullness of the revelation of God's love in his act of redemption on the cross. That's it. That's the truth. Um, There are truths that we can utter. There are true statements that we can make. Mm -hmm. But the beauty of my faith and the faith of so many, not just Catholics too, there's plenty of people who believe this, is that the truth is not just a series of propositions or one proposition. It is a person, and um, the truth is alive, and the truth is enlivening, and it um, brings about in us um, something something better than than if it weren't there. That that the world is better when we know and accept the truth. You know, I, I don't have a good example to talk about from the, because this podcast has all been about something so insignificant. But when you really find a nugget of truth and accept it and believe it and then start to speak it 
and it begins to change the world around you, even in slow ways, even in ways that you don't recognize because people were listening, but they didn't say they were listening. Like the the truth is alive and effective and it's going to change the people around you. It's going to change the world around you. Mm-hmm. Um, so like truth is a force. Truth is not just an, I- an idea that is like, that's the opposite of false. Truth is moving. Um, and it is in fact more powerful than falsity. Mm-hmm. Um, that is way more poetic than I intended to say it, <laughs> if I do say so myself. But yeah, truth is something that is, it, it's not just whether or not something is right or wrong. It's not a judgment of positive or negative. Um, truth is something that we participate in hmm. and that changes us. Uh, falsity also changes us for the worse. Hmm. Um, but the truth is something that is, um, as I said, uh, the, the first thing, it gives us life. Hmm. It gives us life. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Um, seems like a good place to wrap things up. Um, Father Stephen, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, it's been a pleasure. Before we close things, um, do you want to plug anything? Your Twitter one more time or anything else? <laughs> it's, I mean, like Twitter's a hobby, all right? Like somehow I've got some followers. It's it's weird. So I don't really have anything to plug. Um, yeah, sure. Kitar Catholic, that's K-E-Y-T-A-R-C-A-T-H-O-L-I-C. Kitar Catholic, all one thing there. Um, but it's just kind of goofy. Um, come along for the ride, whatever. Um, I, I like to meet new people. Um, uh, I like, I found you through Twitter. I mean, by, I mean, a few other routes and everything, but like, this has been a wonderful conversation and, um, I'm sure there's plenty more people out there that, you know, it's, we're all, as I said, we're all irrepeatable human subjects that are of vast and wonderful beauty that like, it's just great to encounter other people when they're, when they're ready to play ball, right? Like there's, you meet some people that aren't ready to have, you know, an interesting or edifying conversation that happens. I know Um, I'm on Twitter. I know. Uh, But yeah, yeah, sure. Whatever. Hit me up. Um, Love to talk to you. We're all on that journey toward better punctuation. Oh God. All right. Well, this has been Changed My Mind with Luke T. Harrington. I'm Luke T. Harrington. You can find me on Twitter at Luke T. Harrington or go to my website, LukeTHarrington.com. I think about stuff like this, the more I come back to the importance of epistemic humility. Um, now, if you're, if you're not familiar uh, with the word epistemic, epistemology would be the study of how we know what we know, um, if you want to put it that way. Um, epistemology is how, how do you know something? How do you know something to be true? Um, and I think all of us would do well to try to practice epistemic humility. Like, um, obviously the conversation that I just had with father Steven is of a somewhat trivial nature. Like who cares (laughs) at the end of the day, how many spaces go after a period. Um, but I just, I keep coming back to this image. He painted rather vividly for me of arguing with a professional editor about how many spaces go after a period. And this is someone who has 
literally devoted her life to trying to make published documents as readable as they can be. And so if anybody would have a definitive answer on that, you'd think it would be her. Um, obviously, this comes back to more important questions as well, like questions of science. Um, you know, we've had <laughs> a lot of people trying to argue with the scientific consensus um, on coronavirus in the last few months, some of whom are qualified to do so, and most of whom are absolutely not. Um, you know, and frequently when you try to argue with those people, it's, you know, that the answer comes back as well. Science was wrong about this. What makes us think it's right about mask wearing now? Um, and I mean, the, the answer obviously is that the preponderance of evidence strongly suggests that mask wearing slows down, if not entirely preventing the spread of the virus. And the cost of wearing a mask is very, very low, even if it does nothing at all. It's you're risking almost nothing by wearing a mask. Um, you know, and I, I've had people who uh, really want to argue with uh, mask wearing, um, like one Facebook friend who has now unfriended me, which I probably deserved because I'm a bit of a troll with people who are being silly. Um, but, you know, I, I pointed him to uh, the studies that have shown mask wearing is um, effective. And, you know, he, he said, well, I actually read these studies and the data is wrong because X, Y, and Z. Um, but the guy was a chiropractor, you know, <laughs> like if, if you haven't devoted your life to studying epidemics and viruses, you know, don't pretend that you know more than the people who do. Um, because he, here's, here's the reality. Is it likely that science has something wrong right now? Absolutely, right? People make mistakes all the time. Um, but that being said, is it likely that your understanding of reality is closer to reality than that of the scientific consensus? No. <laughs> it's a matter of it's a matter of likelihoods. Like I could randomly guess whether it's going to rain tomorrow, flip a coin, and you know, if I do that every day, eventually I'll get it right, you know. Um, but that doesn't mean that my opinion that I just pulled out of my butt is more likely to be accurate than that of an actual meteorologist. Um, there's a YouTuber I enjoy uh, named Adam Ragusia. He's great. You should check him out. He's primarily um, like a culinary <laughs> type YouTuber. He's like a, just a home cook that uh, likes to teach people how to cook on YouTube. Um, and he talks about science a lot and that sort of thing. Um, he put out a video fairly recently, I think, um, called it's something along the lines of why I trust science was, a, which is a little bit too, um, too earnest for my taste, but, um, <laughs> you do you Adam. And he put things rather succinctly, um, which, and somewhat profanely. So whatever, I'm just going to say what he said. Um, we need to understand the difference between an earned opinion and an asshole opinion. <laughs> now, an earned opinion is one you've earned the right to have by studying uh, the field that you're opining on for years and years. Um, now, if you've devoted your life to uh, studying epidemiology and you think masks don't work, 
uh, good for you. You know, <laughs> uh, I, I'm still going to go with the consensus, but you're entitled to that opinion. Sure. Um, that's an earned opinion. What he called an asshole opinion. He says an asshole opinion. I call it, I call it that because not only are the people most likely to spout them off assholes, but also in the sense of they're like assholes. We all have them. Most of them stink, right? Um, <laughs> which he's not the first one to make the opinions are like assholes analogy. Um, that's actually long been a favorite of mine. Um, but I think it is worth considering um, that, you know, if you've got an opinion, it's kind of like your asshole. It's probably not a very good opinion. It's probably not a very informed opinion unless you've devoted your life to really understanding the field you're opining on. Um, now, Father Stephen seems like a knowledgeable guy on matters of theology, philosophy. I would absolutely go to him for opinions on that. For punctuation, eh, not as much, because I'm the one with the English degree. And yes, I have an English degree now, and that teacher who gave me third place in that spelling bee can suck it because now I spell every word correctly because I have an English degree. Um, obviously, <laughs> I feel like I feel like I should say that's a joke because I know that's going to get taken out of context. Um, but yeah, um, epistemic humility, guys. Like, just recognize that you don't know everything, and you're not likely to ever know everything. And if your understanding of the information in front of you differs from that of the people who collected that information and have devoted their lives to learning how to understand that information, just acknowledge that the odds are good, that you're very, very likely to be wrong, or at least you're significantly more likely to be wrong than they are. Um, and that's all I have to say about that this week. Um, thank you for listening. If you like what I'm doing on Change My Mind and you want to support the show, um, so you can do something very, very simple. You can go onto Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast service you use. Give me a rating. Give me a review. We like five-star ratings. We accept four-star ratings. If you give me a one-star rating, I will hunt you down. I'm just kidding. Give me an honest rating. It's all good. If you want to support me financially, um, this is a listener-supported show. Uh, you can go to Ko-Fi, that's ko-fi.com, slash change my mind, and you can throw me any amount of money as long as it is divisible by $3. And I don't know why they have that rule, but they do. So if you want to give me $7, too bad. You have to choose between 6 and 9 um, If you don't feel like just throwing money at me, I do have things you can buy. Um, my new book, uh, it's been out since late August, and it has been getting rave reviews uh, from everybody with taste. <laughs> it's called Murder Bears, Moonshine, and Mayhem, Strange Stories from the Bible to Leave You Amused, Be Amused, and Hopefully Informed. I'm told it's a funny book. I'm told it's an informative and well-researched book. It is published by a Christian publisher, written with a general audience in mind. Anybody who wants to learn more about the Bible... Um, Father Stephen bought it. If that's not the world's greatest endorsement, I don't know what is. Um, he hasn't read it yet, so we'll see if he ever uh, ever gets around to reading it and uh, forming an opinion. Um, but yeah, you can find that wherever books are sold. Um, 
possibly also in a scuzzy looking hollow tree in the woods. I don't know. Um, I also do have one novel out that you can find. Um, it's available in print again. It's called Ophelia Alive, a ghost story. If you are into pretentious literary horror, do I have the novel for you? Um, that is also on Amazon. I want to thank Father Stephen for coming on the show. Thanks again, Father Stephen. It was such a pleasure talking to you. I want to thank Raven Creek Social Club for hosting the podcast. Please check out their other shows, um, The Commentarians and Faith and Other Oddities. I want to thank Jonathan Clausen for editing the show for me. The guy does quality work. I'm Luke T. Harrington, and I want to thank you for listening to Change My Mind. And please don't be afraid to change your mind. Mm-hmm.